folks, we're going to do something different today. Why? Why, you ask, when everything has been going so perfectly up until now? Uh, well, a couple of reasons. Uh, first, well, the first reason is because I don't want you to get bored, because then you will stop listening and I will have no reason to live. Uh, but beyond that, uh, there is the fact that this show, well, as you know, this is an OGGN podcast, and uh, I'm part of OGGN, and, and altogether we are part of a, uh, a broader community here in Houston and beyond, uh, and we're all working towards similar objectives, if perhaps in different ways. And so uh, one of those groups, or actually, well, uh, a couple of those groups uh, uh, working together are part of that broader community. And uh, well, anyway, long story short, I was at an event the other night. Uh, a few nights ago, I was at an event. It was a launch party for something uh, that's, that's great, and I'm going to tell you all about it. But first, but first, something I got to share with you. Um, let's see here. What do I got? All right. This is, an, this is an article. Oh, excuse me. It's not an article. This is an opinion piece. It's important to, uh, to get that right. This is an opinion piece in The Guardian, that, uh, that, that uh, news publication that comes from our friends in the UK, The Guardian. And it is written by uh, none other than Mr. Rowan Atkinson, and if you're, uh, if you're thinking, I know that name, how do I know that name? Mr. Bean is how you know that name. Rowan Atkinson is Mr. Bean, uh, but don't let that Mr. Bean routine fool you because uh, he's also uh, very intelligent. Uh, he's a great, uh, uh, he's got a great education, he's a great writer, and he's got some good observations on life, which I have noticed from time to time in the past when he shows up in these little, these little columns. So here's one that caught my attention this morning. And, uh, and, and don't worry, I'm going to bring this around to the, as always, as always, I'm going to bring it around to the main thing uh, for the show. So, uh, so just, just hang in there with me for a minute, because there's an important point here that I think supports the whole thing that I'm going to tell you about. Now, the headline is, I love electric vehicles and was an early adopter, but I feel increasingly duped. Now, um, don't lest you think lest you think that what I'm about to tell you is some sort of or I'm going to give some sort of bashing of our electrification efforts relative to motor vehicles. Uh, no, no, that is not what I'm going to do. Uh, and in fact, uh, I certainly wouldn't do that ahead of the next thing that I'm going to tell you about, which is all about Houston is the energy capital of the world. Not we want to be the energy capital of the world, but we are the energy capital, not just the oil and gas capital of the world, but the energy capital. And that's what the event was all about. Um, but first let's see what Rowan has to say. Now, um, he says, he starts off, electric motoring is, so I got to hand it to my British friends. Sometimes you just have a better way of saying things. Motoring, electric motoring is, in theory, a subject about which I should know something. He then goes on to explain that he's got degrees in electrical engineering, and he's a double E, and, and he's got a master's. Uh, in control systems, and, and he's got a, a lifelong passion for the motor car. So, so he's a car guy, and, and he says, so you can see why I was drawn to this whole uh, electric vehicle thing. He explains that, uh, it, you know, he said, talks about why he likes them, and, and uh, he bought the first, his first hybrid 18 years ago, and then he bought a pure electric nine years ago. Um, and then he says, however, and this is getting to the part about feeling a little duped, um, he says, when you, when you drill into the facts, 
electric motoring doesn't seem to be quite the environmental panacea it is claimed to be. And of course, uh, of course it's not. We know that. We talk, we, you know, on our podcast, we talk about that, um, you know, and we all know that um, we're not there yet in terms of that environmental panacea. And there's a lot of reasons. Uh, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't be working. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be working in that direction and continuing to try to make progress. And so so Rowan Atkinson takes the rest of this piece to basically say, here's the problem. Now he concludes by saying, he, you know, so and not, and it, what he doesn't say is, and so therefore we should th- throw all this nonsense out the window. But he says more work is needed. And, um, and, and so he, he points out things like, you know, the, the, uh, the environmental uh, impact of manufacturing cars. Like we're preoccupied with what comes out the tailpipe, he says, or the exhaust pipe, I guess is the proper uh, term. Um, and he says, but what about the cars manufactured? Now, of course, we talk about this a lot. Uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and this is from the uh, from the COP26 group in 2021. Greenhouse gas emissions during production of an electric car 70% higher and than, than regular old gas guzzlers. And why? Because it's because of the batteries and all the rare minerals. And, and um, so he outlines that. And he says, um, you know, we're not... We're not really, we're not really getting there. He then goes on. Um, oh, he, oh, he does mention. He says, unsurprisingly, a lot of effort is going into finding something better than the lithium ion, and he talks about solid state batteries, and he talks about the different ways we're trying to use hydrogen, which we're trying to figure out how to manufacture in a green way. Da 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 da. He also talks about synthetic, uh, synthetic fuel, which is already being used in formula racing, um, and uh, uh, so well, there's all of that. Uh, but now the next point he makes is one, all of that is stuff we've, we've, we've talked about, we've considered, uh, but this one is new. This next bit is, I hadn't really thought about, and I'm sure that maybe other people have, but, um, he talks about the fact that we like to buy new cars every three years, uh, whether it's because of the three-year leasing model or because of, um, you know, whatever, just cause we like new cars. And, uh, and so the, if so, it's a logical conclusion that if the environmental problem of manufacturing vehicles is of equal or greater concern than uh, what comes out the tailpipe, then manufacturing, making more cars, uh, is not a good idea. But we like new cars, and uh, and he and he talks about how you know it used to be when we were kids. Those some of you may remember that uh, if your car was more than five years old. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't great anymore. Uh, he he actually says it was a bucket of rust. I'm not sure. That may be an exaggeration. But but the point is that now you know. And he says you know you can you can have a car that's pretty affordable. And if you take good care of it, it could last you 20, 30 years. Let's say. I don't know. I don't know anybody keeps a car that long. But 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 it's an excellent point. Which is which is let's do something about how many cars we're manufacturing and not get a new one so frequently, which you don't hear people talk about. And that dovetails with the next thing that he says, which is we have a great, we need to realize that we have a great asset in the cars that already exist because they have already paid their environmental dues. And, uh, and so we need to look at, what does he say here? Ah, yeah. Um, it's sensible to reduce our reliance on them, but it would seem right to look carefully at ways of retaining them while lowering their polluting effect. Now, what Mr. Atkinson does not get to in this opinion piece, but is a pretty logical next conclusion. It's, it's a short 
skipping a jump from his premise that says more work is needed here. Uh, we're not there yet, and there are still some problems yet to figure out and to overcome, which means that, well, what do we need? What do we need for that? Well, we need smart brains and talent and experience and ingenuity. See, I told you I was going to bring it back around. We need the ingenuity of people who know how to solve and overcome and have the science and the engineering to deal with these kinds of problems. Maybe not having done these exact things, but these kinds of things. And where are we going to find such a group of people? So you know how it ends. The moral of the story is right here in the oil and gas industry, here even in the Houston community, we have that group of people. And, and they are not standing idly on the sidelines waiting for somebody to put them in the game. They are already in the game. They've been in the game. And we have a tremendous amount of new energy work going on here in Houston. And it's being done both by newcomers in that space, but also by the same people that have been providing energy to you and yours for low these many years. And that gets us to a launch party that I was at a few nights ago for a thing called Energy Capital HTX. Now, for those of you who aren't from here, HTX is uh, it's kind of a cool way that we refer to Houston sometimes, you know, HTX, Houston, Texas. So Energy Capital HTX, which you can learn more about, uh, not just learn, you can actually visit <laughs> I went, sorry, folks, I went into sponsor plug mode there. You can actually visit Energy Capital HDX. Uh, don't do it yet because you got to wait till this show is over because you're going to hear from, in the next few minutes, you're going to hear from the people that are involved in this initiative and you want to hear that first. But when that's done, you can go to a website which is called, coincidentally, energycapitalhtx.com. A fantastic initiative from our friends at Gao Media, together with the Greater Houston Partnership and assorted other affiliates. And, uh, well, there's just a whole bunch of people involved in this. And you're going to hear from some of them now in the next few minutes. So let me tell you who you're going to hear from. Uh, we're going to have, uh, I think there's, yeah, there's four segments coming up, folks. We got, we got Lindsay Farrell, who is the new editor for Gal Media. And Lindsay's been in the OGGN circle of friends for some time, as has been Katie Minert, who is uh, the, uh, the, the founder of Ally Energy, but lots of other things. Uh, so there's a segment with Lindsay and Katie. There is a segment with Jane Stricker from the Houston Energy Transition Initiative. And there's, and then after that comes Bobby Tudor, who we, uh, all remember from Tudor Pickering and Hold, and he is now uh, he has now founded Artemis Energy Partners. He actually gives uh, gave a, gave a talk at the uh, short talk at the event the other night, and uh, and then we have uh, Will Frazier from Unique Ventures. Now, um, so for each of them, I kind of tossed up. So here's what you're gonna hear. I took this notion. Uh, we talk a little bit about what they're doing and, and the whole thing, but I took this notion of of how do you see the great minds and talent and experience from the uh, uh, what we now call the incumbent uh, energy folks, uh, the oil and gas community. How do you see uh, us bringing those that talent to bear on this new set of energy problems? And they each have their, uh, a different take on it. Fantastic insights and commentary. And, uh, and probably the best way to sum it up 
is uh, with something that I heard Bobby say in the, the short little talk that he gave the other night. Uh, he said something that caught my ear, and this is this is really this this is just a few words that says it all. This big problem won't get solved without us. So this lady is actually my mate, my neighbor. Isn't that amazing? In the energy corridor. So, yes. yeah, that's a cold. That's a cold opener. That's good. I like that. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm sitting here for after I made this whole thing about how we don't do second takes, we don't do edits. Here we are doing a second take and because you rolling it. because my regular guy's not here and I messed up the recorder. It's so, okay. so I'm here with Katie. 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 Can't even speak. It's okay. Katie, you had Katie. a drink. Maynard. Katie Maynard. Maynard. Yes. Ally Energy. Yes. Also a friend of Gal Media. Also a friend of OGGN. And a friend of, of this wonderful Lindsay. woman sitting across from me. What's your last name? Farrell. That's right. Lindsay Farrell. I remember. Yes. So uh, so we were reminiscing about how I was hosting a panel at OGGN, and you made yourself, you just you just decided to become one of the panelists, even though you Pretty were much. the audience. Yeah. yeah. And and then you said, I'm not doing, and that was back when you were doing something else, and now you're mm-hmm. doing something different. You're actually at Gao now. Yes. Right? Um, so I am the new editor for energycapitalhdx.com. Woo-hoo. Oh, um, I've heard of that. Yes. And yeah. so that is what we are here tonight celebrating the launch of. Uh, just launched about an hour so ago. So can you explain it? Because Katie and I couldn't. That's not true. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so I like to say that we are providing the voice of energy to everyone outside of the energy world. So trying to kind of break down some of the barriers of what energy is, what we do, and let them know that we really do care about sustainability and we do care about um, you know, creating a future of energy that provides energy equity and makes things cleaner and smarter, um, which is really what we've been doing for a long time. We just haven't really talked about it that much. So if you've ever listened to the old Oil and Gas Tech Show, you know that that was one of my soapboxes about how we've been doing this for a long time. In fact, so so since the two of you, so you come from the oil field, You've been around the, the industry, right? I don't oh, even know what yeah. your background Oil is, right? Field, but you know something about it, right? Enron, Shell, yep, all so, the bigs. All right, so I have this kind of like thing that I've been saying for a while now, ever since people have been trying to make a go of it with this green energy bit. And um, because, you know, the problems that there are certain, like inventing the stuff, and this show now is called, you didn't get to hear about this. But we rebooted the tech show. It's now Oilfield Ingenuity. And usually I talk about all the smart people in the oil and gas industry that have solved all the hard problems for 100 years, right? Um, but I have this, this notion, so I want to see what the two of you think about this, which is, you know, as you get to sustainable, green, whatever, um, some of the real hard problems are things about when you get into scaling and distribution and all of that. And so I've been saying for a while, you know, if you want to solve the problem of supplying energy to the whole world more or less why don't you ask the people who did it the first time <laughs> like why don't you bring the knowledge and the skills so, like is it are, are there the so the so the so the people historically in oil and gas the engineers and the scientists like surely there's capabilities and knowledge that they have there that could is be but let me tell you something this, right? for years these companies told us to shut up because i was one i was, I was in enough. one of those companies okay and that's fine because corporations have their right to, you know, to to have rules and regs. But at the end of the day, w- we've quietly powered some of the most amazing 
things in this world and there are a lot of great people out there and they're very smart they have a lot of technical skill and they want to be a part of making energy cleaner and yeah. greener so i kind of look at so this do as they? is that just because some do. people think it's just an act no uh so look are there greenwashers yeah and i know who they are yeah because i'll pull, i'll call bullshit on them i will yeah yeah but at the end of the day this this channel that that they've developed is about taking the energy conversation out of the echo chamber it mm. is an echo chamber for okay? sure everything it an has echo been well it, no you're right yeah. right i mean what this is, is the world we live right but we've got to tell those stories and honestly for the sake of america we have got to come together and bring the workforce together because we have very big ambitious goals for sustainability for 2050 and we have a shortage of talent so at the end of the day it shouldn't be is it oil and gas or the no it is and it's all of the above we just have to find the best use case, hmm. right? For what we use oil and gas for, right? Like transport fuel. Transport fuel is something that can change, right? That's sure. that we're proving that we can, you know, make make cleaner and, and lower emissions. So well, we can, we're proving it in the transport itself, but not so much in the production totally, of the thing. Totally. But there's right. so much opportunity. There's so much money yeah. coming into this from the private sector and the public sector. So there's I. This is why I said, even though you said that I didn't know what this channel was, I know exactly what the site is. The site I didn't say you didn't about, know. I said you couldn't explain it. Well, I can explain it. It is a place <laughs> to get great information, news and information. Information, but also insights on energy yeah. and it's all energy energy all Ener- matters energy, the whole thing yep. so I like the parts I like the part you said for the sake of America I'm gonna have to get you on there's another show called saving the dream we'll have to talk about that later all right but all right so Lindsay how many is it, are you one glass of champagne in or three glasses of um, champagne in? just one but I guess I'm a little shaky because I don't remember if I ate lunch I was trying to launch a website it was kind of a big yeah, day yeah it's it's kind a of day. a big day all right so what's your take <laughs> on that whole bit um I, d- I do agree that, that I think we've been a bit of an echo chamber, um, but also we just focus most of the time on what's most profitable um, and haven't necessarily always driven home the points of what we're doing for our, the communities around us yeah. um, and for the environment around us. Um, you know, there's always kind of been like this fundamental shift um, that drives, or fundamental, I guess, event that then drives the focus area. So like in you know, when we had 2006, we have Macondo. And so everything became, yeah. sorry to yeah, go yeah. dark uh, for a second there, uh, but I mean, so everything became all about safety and process. That's and when so we started holding handrails. Of course, right. Yeah. right. Well, no, we were doing spaces. it well before then, yeah. but no, okay. it made a big splash. Yeah, yeah it was important. Yeah. And so it's... um. But, I, but you're right in the sense that that, is, that was kind of an inflection point in the industry where the industry, this is the thing I think that's interesting, is the, the oil and gas industry now becoming the energy industry, whether anybody really admits it or not, is uh, was always able to learn from its own experience and improve and did it all the time. You know, that happened, Macondo happened, some other things. And the industry looked inside and said, yeah, we got to get, we got to move safety up the priority list and we need to be more serious about safety. Um, The same thing with, with, uh, you know, more recently with emissions on frack pads and all kinds of like the the industry has always done a good job of saying okay well now we have this problem and we need to figure it out and we need to apply all the smart people to do that right right yeah right i mean I, we've had great continuous learning and you know look backs and root cause analysis and all that sort of stuff yeah. that everyone's done i am um, now you're getting technical what? you're getting technical sorry I'm, you're gonna lose me well, it's okay. that's okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pull back out here and pull back up, I'll pull back up here okay. in a second. But, um, the, 
I saw um, Surab Saxena from Neighbors speak at a morning event during uh-huh. OTC. Right. And um, he was fantastic. And it just got me really thinking about how at least... So I, I came into the industry in 2007. Um, and for my whole career, it's mostly been, you know, people process technology. People mm-hmm. process technology. Yeah. And he started to kind of bring up well some of the other concepts that are maybe more important to the future workforce and the future of energy in general. And mm. so I kind of I sat down and, and I was looking at all the notes from from his conversation and I said, you know, I, I feel like there's a there's a shift here from people process and technology to purpose, partnering and governance. Purpose, partnering and governance. And and I feel like that that angle mm. is what's driving a lot of kind of the sustainability initiatives yeah. um, because one we're going to have to do a better job of partnering across the entire value chain right um, it's not going to just be you know who can get there fastest but it's going to be who can yeah, get there yeah. fastest and safest and, safest and, and, and um, cleanest and, and, and cheapest and, affordable um, we got to remember that affordable gotta part remember the affordable the part, part. alright we got to let Katie talk because well, we're losing her she's no, on her no, phone no, no. I was, I'm listening because one of the things that you're talking about is something that I know that the industry is really good at, and that is collaboration. You know, I remember when I was at Shell for years, we, we could be we could be in a JV with a competitor, but they'd be a JV. They'd be a competitor on one deal. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. the, the, the patch. It depends on which asset you're working yeah, on, right? Yeah, well, yeah. the patch, the energy patch, the oil patch, whatever you want to call it, it's a, it's a small you know, uh, sphere because you've got to you've got to spread your risks. I mean, these are huge capital investments. They're over multiple years, right? So, my favorite is always when people are like, "Oh, let's turn on the refineries because we need crude like now." But you know, if you start divesting assets, right? Same thing with solar, yeah. wind. I mean, a lot of these projects, a lot of these projects are going to take time to get them up right to speed and running, funded you know, through their uh, approval processes and then through construction, build, and then, you know, operate. But when I think about it, businesses here in Houston are very well positioned to do this because this is what we've been doing for 100 plus years, you know? Bingo. We just haven't been talking about it. So for all those people out there, we're going to be talking lots about it. And you have to check out Energy Energy Capital HTX.com. So so it's a website. Yes. It's a website, but it's not just a website. Uh, for or now. is it just for, a website? For now, for now it's, it's just, just a website. website. Um, we will start releasing a newsletter here before too long. Oh, okay. um, each day we'll have a couple of stories um, that both have news and editorial guest columns, things yeah. like that. Just you to should really have podcasts. People like podcasts. We're, we've got a couple mm-hmm. of those things in we the We might works. be talking to you for, they might yeah. be talking to you for a reason. I don't know. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, uh, we got to let some other people have a turn, but... Uh, Thanks Part, for having us. Parting thoughts? Yeah, no, yes. I was going to give you a chance to say one more thing. Oh, parting thoughts. Hey. Houston, um, energy capital of the world. Now, energy transition capital of the world. Yeah, and it's still the place the, to be. But it's all still energy. Still energy. It's all it's still a, the yeah. energy. It's I didn't mean to say energy. that. I meant to say that in the inclusive sense, not the sure. right. transitional sense. I'll say from a personal perspective, I am so pumped. Yeah. I really am. Yeah, it's a great place place to live. It's a great place to live, you know, to, to have a family. Yeah, it's a great yeah. place to put your kid in school. And it's a great place to get a job. And the, the next 50, 60 years, it's going to be a great place for the energy transition, you know, technologies that are coming to bear. So, I'm with you. It's good. Yeah. And yeah. It's good because we got people coming here. In fact, I just met the guy pouring champagne, and he came here from the Bronx. Okay. I'm bringing him I on next. I love it. So, love it. Uh, last bit. What, 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 now, I know you're never at a loss for words, so... <laughs> 
And of course, now I'm going to be because yeah. you said that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just excited for the reach that this is going to have, especially yeah. through Gal Media, having um, a readership that goes beyond energy and really talks to just kind of the layman's group. Um, and talks in layman's terms, and that's what we're trying to do, is just help educate people and inform them and connect them. Good, good. All right, well, as you go forward with this great uh, thing, remember about all those like really smart people in oil and gas and how they can help you solve problems, because as you said, they've been doing it for well over 100 years. Don't you worry. That's all right. right. I've got a whole laundry list of people I'm going to be tapping on. Yeah. So. Excellent. Thanks for right. having us. Thanks for uh, barging in. All right, let's, go. let's right. go get another glass. Bye-bye. Let's see if I can pause this without breaking it. Jane. Jane? Yes. Jane Stricker. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we met five minutes ago outside in the crowd here and uh it was really loud and i was trying to read lips (laughs) so i need a couple times for it to stick (laughs) stick in my head and um and of course we are at the at at the event we don't have to talk about the event because that'll already be covered um but um so what do you do again you told me a minute ago yeah i'm the executive director of the houston energy transition initiative at the greater houston partnership we're actually the partner to gal media in creating this site I'm going to move this because you're a little taller than Katie, so it's no problem. All right, there we go. So, yeah, so we talked about that on the last segment. Um, so you're, so Houston Energy, no, Houston, trans, what is it? Houston Energy Transition, Transition Initiative. Initiative. Heady. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're heady. All right, so, um, uh, all right, so, so talk about that just for a minute. What does that mean? I mean, yeah. I, I know about Greater Houston Partnership. What is what is Hedy? So do? about two years ago, uh, the Greater Houston Partnership launched the Hedy Initiative, which is really about uh, bringing together our incumbent energy industry leadership in Houston. Incumbent energy. Yes. Yes. To really think about how do we position Houston to take advantage of the opportunities that the energy transition presents, and so. We've brought together 23 of the, some of the biggest energy players in the region uh, that are based here in Houston to, to work on those areas of energy transition where we think Houston can really have a competitive advantage. So technologies like carbon capture use and storage, clean hydrogen development, industrial decarbonization, all of those areas are areas right. where we believe that, that the incumbent energy industry really has strong leadership and can lead the the way in around the globe to that low carbon future while still providing affordable reliable energy but i think the reality is we can't afford to rip out an entire energy system and replace it with yeah something that's new, that's for sure right yeah and so figuring out how to integrate new energy solutions into our existing energy system is critical to our success in achieving our low carbon goals while also providing affordable and reliable yeah, so energy. The integration thing is something people don't talk about a whole yeah. lot. They and talk I, about it like yeah. almost like it's two different things and we're ramping up this one and we're, and we're going to shut one. down the other one. Yeah, and so, the reality is, it, so what is that like? you yeah. have to figure out a way to make all these things work together. So whether you're talking about renewables, energy storage, carbon capture, clean hydrogen, right. how will you integrate these new solutions into our existing system? And I think one thing that this industry does really well is is figure out how to integrate new energy, new solutions. They've done it with shale, they've done it with natural gas, they've done it with a number of different energy solutions. And so 
Yeah. And you've got a lot of capability from the traditional energy sector. So if if you were a geologist looking for oil, right. now you are a geologist looking for places to store CO2 or you're doing geothermal. And so there's a lot of transferability of those skill sets. I was up at Texas A&M a few months ago talking to their petroleum engineering students and I said, it's the most exciting time to be coming into this industry. I mean, in my mind, of the last 50 years, because this is where you will be figuring out how to do all the new stuff. Yeah, fair enough. And and so I think it's a really exciting time. They will see this evolution of the industry in a way that probably no other generation will have seen. No, that's yeah. I mean, it, it probably um, not since we first right not since 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 the the oil industry first transformed everything, right? right? Early 1900s, everything changed. Um, I do think that the days of dropping nitroglycerin torpedoes down the hole probably were also exciting. Yeah. There's there's some excitement <laughs> around that, I think. But but yeah. So, um, all right, this integration thing I hadn't really thought about because you're right, and most people don't probably, you know, the average person doesn't have a great understanding of how how the distribution we go from, of energy. How we go from like right. from the wellhead to your gas tank or your light switch, right? right. Neither does everybody really need to understand that. Unfortunately, because they don't, I think politicians and people with certain narratives exploit the fact that people don't understand it sometimes. But um, but you're right. There's it's a completely different set of problems to solve to go from uh, from a frack pad on the Permian to uh, you, you know to, to get that into your gas tank versus something offshore versus even natural gas yeah. versus versus uh, um, you know I mean, think stuff about up in Canada, drilling wells stuff at, in Canada, at two miles sands. yeah right. drilling wells at two miles beneath the the sea floor I mean those are things that yeah until yeah. you learn how to do them and, and until you figure I mean integrating that in requires a and skill set and, and a, right, a capability right. set so yeah all right I was told I could have you for ten minutes has it been ten minutes it's only been seven minutes. But somebody's already flagging you yes. down. I see. All right, so <laughs> I sort of have to be there for the announcements. All right, so. all right. So, uh, so that's good. Any like, any like parting sentence? Anything? Uh, no, I just, you know. So I, I often tell people that I think, you know, Houston is the energy capital of the world, and that's why when that's we talked sure. to Gal Media about this site, the idea of energy capital HTX was let's just own the fact that we are the energy capital of the world, and we will all continue energy, to be. Right, right, right. All as day. we transition to a, yeah. a lower carbon future and so it's a really exciting time to be in Houston and a really exciting time to be in energy. Yeah, yeah. Alright, good. James Tricker. Thanks. Appreciate Thanks. it. Alright, go do your thing. Bobby Tudor, thanks for uh, stepping out of the loud uh, crowd and uh, making some time. We don't have to talk about the event because other people have already done that. But um, but one thing that uh, you said when you were, you guys just made the announcement about about the new website, the new channel, um, and everybody is everybody's very excited about this. I mean, 
There's a lot of enthusiasm out there. There's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of enthusiasm in Houston generally about the opportunities around the energy transition. I think people are starting to understand that it's not a zero-sum game. It doesn't mean that we have to give up something to build something new and exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and there's there's just fantastic opportunity around it. So, yeah, there is good excitement, and there yeah, should be. There should be. And you mentioned that people don't... Um, People don't, people don't know, people around the world or outside of Houston don't know as much about, they know, they know what we're doing in oil and gas. Yeah. All the household names, right? But there's not awareness about the amount of just broader energy initiative going on here. And to be honest, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I live here and I'm in the middle of it and I probably don't even know what all is going on because there's a lot. Yeah, one, one, one interesting fact, for example, would be that there is more energy transition related research, true R&D research that happens in greater Houston, Texas than in any other part of the world. I mean, Shell alone has a billion dollar a year annual R&D budget of which half, uh, approximately half goes goes to all things energy transition. Our universities are active in it. All of our big companies are active. It's a, you know, it's a big part of our economy. And, and there's, and well, so you said something out there uh, a minute ago that caught my ear because it's a, just a very, it's a much more concise way of saying something that I've been saying for a while. And you said this big problem won't get solved without us. Right. 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 And um, uh, the way I've been saying it is a little different. It's, um, you know, if you want to solve the really hard problems of providing, you know, power, energy for the whole world, affordable, abundant, why don't you ask the people who did it the first time? Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, yeah. there's only been one group of people that's ever done it. Right. And, and but but which is a little bit cavalier but my point is there's a lot of there's a lot of great minds and a lot of talent and skills that i feel like you know the engineering and the science and everything else and, and even even beyond that logistics and how and the, how to solve the distribution problems so how do you, you've been in the oil and gas industry mm-hmm. for a long time yeah. like how do you see like the talents and the skills mm-hmm. of those people coming to bear we on believe this they're problem? highly transferable Highly, highly transferable. You know, what what energy systems are about are bringing technologies to scale, right? And the challenge isn't necessarily creating the new technology. The challenge is putting it to work at scale. And that's what we know how to do here in Houston, Texas, right? If you want to do a big, complicated engineering project in a faraway place involving thousands and thousands of people and difficult science and engineering... The intellectual capital of that is right here. And that's just as much a part of the energy transition world as it is a part of the uh, incumbent oil and gas world. So we have it. We have more chemical engineers per capita than any other major metro in America, more engineers in general per capita than any other major metro in America. We have a great workforce. We have uh, fantastic universities in our region who, who are contributing to this. We have all the pieces in place to be a leader. And um, we are a leader, but we, we really need to put our shoulder behind the wheel together, make sure we are talking to each other, connecting the dots, and having the world better understand that this is where the greatest challenges are going to be met. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that those people, so all those, uh, all, all those people, because, you know, intellectual capital doesn't live inside of a company or an organization, it lives in people's heads, right? right? And so I think one perception is that, sure, Various companies are allocating funds and whatnot, but do the people, those people that we're talking about, 
do they want to do it? Do they want to help? Do they want to? Do you think they well, want to get the involved? I think the majority of people want to help. Yeah. You know, the way I describe it Because there's a perception that they're kind of standing off on the side yeah, going, yeah, with yeah, their arms and folded. Then, and honestly, see that may have been true at a point. Yeah. But that, that has changed and changed dramatically in okay. Houston over the course of the past uh, few years. And look, we need the old school incumbent oil and gas companies to keep doing what they're doing. Well, right? That's for sure. The, yeah. You know, it is really, really important that we meet that first part of this dual challenge, which is providing reliable, affordable, and secure energy to the world today. Yep. We've got to do that. And the consequences of not doing it are terrible. And so a lot of these companies are going to keep doing what they're doing. They, we need them to do it more cleanly, right? More lower safe, their own right, carbon right. footprint, electrify their operations where they can, lower methane gas emissions, stop flaring, Which et cetera. Which they're actually doing. And they are right? absolutely, I do not know a company yeah. that is not committed to that. Yeah. And then we have a lot of, a lot of other companies who are allocating some of their capital budget uh, to new stuff. Typically, it's new stuff that would be, you know, adjacent to what they're doing. So it yeah, might be yeah. hydrogen or carbon capture or biofuels. And then we have a, a whole set of other companies that are doing 100% new stuff, mm. right? And renewable natural gas or um, offshore wind turbine installation. Right, right. Or, uh, or um, some, some Vita factory doing, you know, bio, yeah, yeah, uh, bioengineering, yeah. biofuels. Biofuels, yeah. There's just a lot, a lot of great stuff happening like that and an explosion of activity. I think it's important that capital providers around the world understand that explosion of activity here because we want them here. This is a, this is an industry that requires a ton of money. Yeah. And so we need the capital providers in Houston working with us on this. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, yeah, well, I, I think you made it, your point about how, uh, not too long ago, maybe there was sort of a rift. You know, I think part of the reason there was a rift is that people who come from the traditional oil and gas business felt like they were not appreciated and respected for what they did. Yeah, right? there you go. And and people did treat it as if they were selling cigarettes to children. No, you are the problem. You are <laughs> ruining the world. Right, right. And th their view is, no, we, we are keeping the world going, right? We are taking people out of poverty. I think what has happened in the world in the last six months, sometimes it takes really bad stuff to, to make a point. In, the, in this case, the bad stuff was the war in the Ukraine and what happened to energy systems sure. in Europe. And the world has, has a better appreciation now that, in fact, our challenge is a dual challenge. We have right. to provide reliable, affordable, secure energy today. And at the same time, we have to dramatically drive down CO2 emissions. If we just needed to do one of those two things and not the other, it wouldn't be that complicated. But we have to do both of have them. Have to do both, right. and and because the world better appreciates that now, I think people who who come from the incumbent oil and gas world no longer feel so so uh, disrespected. disrespected. <laughs> it's true, you know. Um, we uh, we we joke about how so with OGGN we have for a long time we've done these monthly industry mixers, and uh, it's you know. It, and, and people know that it's like on the last Thursday of the month and it's at a certain place and you show up and we have drinks. It's much like this here, mm -hmm. actually. And but we used to joke about how uh, it was kind of a it was kind of a support group. It was kind of a like <laughs> safe place that you could come right. and and meet people and not feel hesitant about saying I'm in the oil and gas industry. Yeah. Right. Because you don't say it to people on airplanes. You never right, know right, what's going right, to happen. Right. right. But 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 you think it's 
The, uh, the, the also, attitudes are changing. Well, I also think that the traditional oil and gas community has moved on this. Yeah. Right? I yeah. think there, there is a, a more fulsome appreciation that the challenges of climate change are really real challenges. Yeah. And I think people generally felt feel different about that today than they did two years ago or four years ago. So I think movement has come, honestly, in, in both directions, and that's a, that's a healthy thing. But once again, the problem is not going to be solved without us. Right. Yeah, we, yeah. we are the energy capital of the world for a reason. It's not a mistake. Right. There, this is where the intellectual power for the industry sits. And that needs to be applied to both of these challenges. And uh, it currently is. And it's an exciting time. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. All right. Thanks. I know you got people waiting to talk to you. So I appreciate you making time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good deal. So the first thing is, uh, when we got introduced, when we were standing outside in the noise, I actually didn't hear what your name is. Oh, I'm sorry. So, so what? So I'm Will Frazier. Will I'm Frazier. the VP of Technology Development for Unique Ventures. For Unique Ventures. All right. Let's. Uh, um, so the podcast isn't about Unique Ventures, but just so that people know who they're hearing, what, what is that all about? How to, how to, what's Unique Ventures? Well, Unique Ventures is, is a unique organization, hence the name. Undoubtedly. We're a hybrid accelerator. We help startup companies commercialize their technology for the energy industry. And, and some people get confused because our name is Unique Ventures. They think, oh, you must be another venture capital fund. But we're not. We're really an accelerator that brings expertise in the energy industry to startups who need that to be able to successfully commercialize their technology. Which, okay, so I have a little experience with this, uh, with, with startups and technology. And I can say that commercializing a great invention is not trivial. Correct. And, and most of the time they don't quite realize the like the chasm that they have to cross to get and, to that and point. well said and, and we sometimes humorously but accurately say we're the bridge across the valley of death the yeah. chasm you referred to <laughs> yeah. for startups yeah because yeah. if they don't find customers who can use their technology they will frequently run out of money before they can establish themselves yeah yeah that yeah that's um all right that's that's a, that's a topic for actually you know, this used to be the Old and Guys Tech Show, and we could have talked about that a whole bunch because that's a fascinating thing. But we are here at this event. Um, we don't have to talk about the event because we've covered that in the other segments. Um, but um, one of the themes that is kind of recurring, um, in fact, uh, in fact, Bobby Bobby Tudor said it when he was doing the announcement out there, and he said this one little thing that caught my ear because uh, what I told him when he was in here was I said. It was a much more concise way of saying something that I say with a lot more words, but that I've been saying for a long time. And what he said is, um, like, uh, now I can't remember the exact words. He said, he said, this big problem can't be solved without us. And by us, he meant, you know, the, the energy people, industry. Yeah, well, and the, and the, the oil and gas, the people, in the energy that, industry. Right. Yeah. Um, and the, I guess, what we call now the incumbents. Right. So the incumbent, uh, they refer to the incumbents as. The traditional oil and gas business, and I've always maintained that there's a tremendous amount of skills and experience and just general, like, been there, done that, solved these problems, the science, the engineering in the oil and gas industry that has got to be useful in solving these new energy challenges. Well, there certainly is, and the Houston Energy Transition Initiative, HETI, 
right. aims to take advantage of that, to build on the know-how base in the existing oil and gas industry and to engage the universities, the startup community, and so on to help maintain Houston as the energy capital of the world, the energy transition capital of the world. Do you think Houston wants to be the energy transition capital? I, I mean, it, there's a lot of like, I do, do we it, feel like we're selling our soul when we do no, that? No, I don't think that's true at all. I think Houston wants to continue to be a leader in the energy industry and recognizes that while hydrocarbon fuels are going to continue to be an essential part of our energy economy, that there are going to be new technologies and new energy sources that have to be brought in. And the community here wants to be part of that leadership and, and pave the way for that to happen. Yeah, I, I think that comes, um, I'm going to move this a little closer to you. Um, I think that, uh, I think maybe that comes as a surprise to people who aren't from here. Right? It might, probably comes as a surprise to some people who are from here. But um, uh, like, I guess what I'm getting at is, in order to become that, do we have an image problem? You know, do we have to overcome an, an image or a, or a perception? Maybe perception is... Well, I think there is a perception issue, but I think the, the leaders in the energy industry recognize that, that reality goes beyond just perceptions. When I worked for Chevron for That's many years, yeah. our chairman of the board, Ken Durr, was famously questioned, what's going to happen when people stop using gasoline, petrol, to fuel their vehicles? And, and I remember his quote quite well. He said... Well, when people start building cars that run on milk, we'll be in the dairy business. <laughs> and that means the energy industry yeah. is prepared to adapt yeah. to what the customer wants and what the requirements are, either set by governments, by customers, or, or whomever, to meet the energy needs of the future. Yeah, so basically, um, so when you look at that, what he's saying is, you know, we've, we've always called it the oil and gas industry because that hydrocarbons were the primary source. That was how we powered the world. So we called it the oil and gas in, in, industry. But really what it was was always the energy industry. Well, it's where the energy came from. Energy needs to be available. It needs to be reliable. It needs to be affordable. Yep. And, and the question is, if, if we're concerned about hydrocarbons being a source of problems, that is to say global climate change, then what energy sources are we going to use that meet those requirements of availability, reliability, and affordability without posing the environmental risk of climate change? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a big topic um, uh, that we probably don't have time for because I promise you this would only be a few minutes. So what, um, so what specifically... Um, when you think about the people that you've worked, and, and like you said, you were at Chevron for a long time, so I think about in those companies, whether it's the whether it's the big operators or the small operators or or the service companies or like or the or the EPCs or whatever, there are these great minds that have and these skills and these um, talents. Um, and we say very broadly, yes, we need all of that in this industry. But do you have any examples of like, what specifically do you see? Like when you think about all the people that you knew at Chevron and you think, how oh, we really need that guy on this problem or we need her to like, how do you, do, do, are we at that level of detail yet where we can see how those skills map into this new set of problems? Yes, I think we are because there, there are several areas where the know-how base and the existing oil and gas industry can help us. 
One is obviously trying to make the existing production of hydrocarbon fuels more efficient yeah. and not wasting hydrocarbons. I mean, venting and flaring methane, natural gas in West Texas, that doesn't help anybody, does it? It doesn't add value to us in terms of energy, and it adds to the emissions into the atmosphere. Yep. And I think the industry knows how it can stop that. And has reduced that tremendously. And is, and is making years, great progress yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah. And then second, you've got the know-how base and how to manage the reservoir, the subsurface environment. And, and I think carbon capture and sequestration will be a key part of the solution. Yeah. So the expertise in the existing energy industry will be critical to make carbon capture and sequestration. And then third, you have the know-how base in terms of how to commercialize new, innovative, challenging, expensive technologies. Yeah. And now we're, if we're talking about switching to new forms of energy, uh, it could be from geothermal, it could be from solar, wind, or other sources, maybe from biomass-derived fuels. All those things are going to require the same kind of expertise yeah. to be able to bring those to market. Right, right. You know, um, there was one other thing um, that I hadn't even thought about until uh, Jane, Jane Stricker was in here earlier from yes. Hetty, from Hetty, and she commented on um, something again that I hadn't really even thought about is the integration problem of all, you know solving the problem. Like, you know, people people don't always most people don't think a whole lot or maybe don't know and probably don't need to know how how something goes from the wellhead to their gas tank or their light switch or you know a wellhead in the Permian versus a wellhead offshore which is two completely different things or you know all the and and now we got to so oil so her point was the oil and gas industry was already integrating diverse forms of energy source of energy like and and that problem becomes even more complex when you start talking about, you know, solar and wind. Like how, to, like ultimately, all those things have to get to the gas tank or the or the light switch or whatever it is, right? Correct. Huge. And so yeah, there are going to be challenges. Let's take the example of of how we fuel a railroad engine as it drives across West Texas. Is it going yeah. to be fueled on diesel fuel? Is it going to be fueled on hydrogen coming from renewable resources, or is it going to be fueled from biofuels? coming from alternative energy sources. Right. Any of those could be part of the future of ensuring that the trains still run on time and that we minimize the impacts from an environmental standpoint. And all those things have to actually get to the train from wherever they originate Correct. from. Correct. So they have to be reliable, affordable, and yeah. they have to also be compatible with one another. Nobody who flies on an airline wants to worry at 30,000 feet where the fuel is coming from that's fueling those jet engines, yeah. right? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, on the trains, though, I always thought that, that what we really need are those colored logs that Doc Brown created in Back to the Future. I don't know if you remember that. But if we could get those colored logs, I feel like we would really solve a lot of, a lot of problems. So, Well, the U.S. has its own unique challenges compared <laughs> to other parts of the world. But I think the know-how base in the energy industry is going to be a great resource to help to yeah. help find the solutions to those challenges. Excellent. I'm glad that I'm not the only person who thinks that. So far, it seems that everybody here thinks that. So uh, so it's good to know. I think it's great, too, that this project, this, um, and I keep messing up the name, this, uh, what is it called? The new website? Energy HTN? No. Uh, the thing they're launching here tonight. Oh, you're talking about the, the new website. The new, yeah. Uh, the new, it's Houston it's, HDS uh, website yeah, focused yeah. on new energy. Tr but trying to communicate to the rest of the world 
what Houston is bringing right. to the party in this particular And thing. the Houston Energy Transition Initiative from right. the Greater Houston Partnership right. under the leadership of Bobby Tudor is going to be a key part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Houston has that know-how and expertise, and, and we're seeking to become a critical hub for the development of new energy sources as well as ways to reduce the carbon intensity of existing energy right, sources. Right. All right. I think that that does it. That's well said. And uh, and I promise you seven minutes and we went for 11 minutes. So um, All right. <laughs> um, well, we're very happy to be part of that as part of uh, our organization, Unique Ventures, because yeah, we, yeah, yeah. we love helping entrepreneurs and new startups realize their entrepreneurial vision. And, and we bring the know-how and expertise that we have, all of us who've worked in the energy industry, to help them commercialize their technology and help make the change happen. All right, perfect. We, that, you know, someday I want to talk to you about commercializing because uh, boy, I I, oh, I took, we'd, we'd I took my lumps. I took my we'd lumps. We'd be on happy that. to have that I have conversation. A, I, I still have the tire marks on my back from those days, but um, but good. All right. Well, thanks for making time. I appreciate oh, you. Oh, it's a real uh, pleasure to talk to you tonight. All right. Thanks. thanks.